Coming up, we're going to break down the 10 pivotal questions coming off an NBA free agent signing draft frenzy with Jackie McMullen plus million dollar picks. That's next. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. I love the NBA. When game day comes around, win or lose, this is the beer you want. Michelob Ultra, my go-to right now because I'm a light beer guy. Sorry, hate to break it to you. You know, I'll mess around with some other ones, but for the most part, really ever since college, I've been a light beer guy. Michelob Ultra, not only does it taste great, 95 calories, crisp and refreshing. Put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like Michelob Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game right now than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. This episode is brought to you by Duncan. I love Duncan. Duncan just dropped a new kind of energy. They call it sparked energy. I mean, they have peach sunshine. I'm a huge peach guy. Like peach with drinks, I feel like is one of the most underrated drink combo kind of starter things that we have. Well, in this case, these are delicious. They're packed with caffeine and vitamins and minerals that give me the energy I need to get through the day. And a medium is $3 now through March 19th. So drop by and get Sparked by Duncan. Sparked energy drinks are fruit flavored, contain 0% fruit juice. Beverages contain caffeine from caffeine and guarana. Participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network, where we launched Recipe Club and Gamblers, two new podcasts last week, and the Ringer Music Show with Charles Holmes. That launched last weekend. Very excited for that one. We put a lot of time and effort into trying to figure out how to do a timely weekly music podcast. We'll see how it goes. You can subscribe on Spotify. Also, I have uh, a new Rewatchables podcast that went up. It's a special holiday episode. You know, we wanted to have a feel-good episode uh, heading into Thanksgiving, really weird Thanksgiving out there during the pandemic. So we picked 8 millimeter. And we're going to give thanks to Machine and Dino Velvet and Max California and everybody from what can only be described as a flawed rewatchables, but weirdly a cable classic. So broke that one down with Van Lathan and Chris Ryan. You can check it out. Oh, one more ringer thing. Matthew McConaughey, a guy that I can't even get for my own podcast. He was on 10 Questions with Kyle Brandt and we ran that. You can find it on Spotify. You can also see some of the video clips on the Ringer's uh, Twitter handle. So look out for that. All right, all right, all right. Also, stay tuned for a new Book of Basketball episode. Ironically, it's with Jackie McMullen, who's on this podcast as well. But we did uh, Kevin Garnett, broke down his whole career. That is going to go up Wednesday night. And you can put on your headphones during Thanksgiving if you want to get away from your family and listen to me and Jackie talking about Kevin Garnett. She's coming up in a second. So is Million Dollar Picks. First, our friends from Pearl Jam. Mm -hmm. All right, Jackie McMullen is here. It is Tuesday morning Pacific time. We are sifting through the wreckage of an NBA draft, some crazy free agency signings. Um, I wanted to play 10 burning NBA questions. Oh, I love those through, games. Go through okay. them now. Yeah. All right, so here's my first one. Yeah. The Lakers add Montrez Harrell, Dennis Schroeder, 
Wes mm-hmm. Matthews, Mark Gasol. They keep KCP. They lose right. number 28, Rondo, Green, Bradley, Howard, McGee. Was this the only contender that actually got better? Because I feel like they're better. They are better with the caveat, because I've thought a lot about this. They are better. Schroeder, Schroeder was a great, great upgrade, really, over Rondo. And I know we both love playoff Rondo, but he, he wanted too much money. And Atlanta overpaid to get him, and we all understand why that happened. Because if you're Atlanta, you have to overpay, and that's how you get Rondo to go there. So that's fine. I love Marc Gasol. He might be one of my favorite NBA players of all time because he's so cerebral. He's one of the best defensive players. If you watch him play defense, he's one step ahead of everybody else. He knows what's going to happen before it happens. And that he, he's just a great defensive player. Now, And, he and he's off. an adult. What, what's that? <laughs> he's an adult compared to he, JaVale oh, and Dwight. He's a professional. 100% such an adult. They won't have any problems with him. In fact, I already have people in, in Philly saying to me, well, what do you think about Dwight Howard? I'm like, yeah, good luck fellas because <laughs> he's he's nuts you know and Gasol now he did fall off a cliff his three-point shooting especially in the bubble was just horrendous and, and more concerning I think he just doesn't want to shoot it anymore maybe he never wanted to shoot it to begin with remember all the way back in Memphis they made him shoot it and then he got pretty good at it but I think instinctively it he just it's not really something he wants to do but I still love that. I love that signing. That to me was just fantastic. The only one I'm I'm having a little pause on is Montrez Harrell. Now, by getting Harrell and Schroeder, you get the, the number one and number two top bench scores in the league last year. Do you realize that? The top two bench scores. So that's fantastic. That's great. But all the reasons the Clippers could not play Harrell down the stretch, won't some of those be the same reasons that the Lakers might have trouble playing him down the stretch? So that that's my only pause. But I mean, I've, I the Lakers were the winners, but so were the Trailblazers. Wait, hold too. on, hold on the okay. Trailblazers because I had okay. two Laker points. Okay. Um, on Harrell, I agree with you. It left me lukewarm, but on the other hand, great price, right? They're only and paying you stole two, them from the other guys. Yeah, you stole them from the other guy, but also like I do, they've been pretty honest already about that they're going to be really careful with LeBron and maybe even Davis too the first two three months of the season. Right. And at some point, like you mentioned, they got the two best bench scorers. They're going to actually be able to create offense, which they couldn't do last year if LeBron and 100%. Davis weren't out there. They have these third game in four nights in some crappy city like Minnesota. And they'll be like, right. yeah, well, let's rest LeBron and we'll just run pick and rolls with Harold the whole game. I thought the the reason the Clippers had to get rid of him was you can't play him against the two teams you're trying to beat. You're trying to beat Denver and the Lakers. The Lakers, And yeah. he's unplayable. I think for the for the Lakers, he's somebody that can be back to what he was when he was really good, was a bench guy. I don't think he plays crunch time. You know, the Gasol, Matthews switches for green, that's great. Yeah, that was a really more good. reliable yeah. version of Rondo Bradley, basically. Um, the Gasol thing, I thought he looks, I thought he looked done in the bubble. I gotta be honest. Like, go, no, especially I going against that. my team. I don't know whether I'm overrating the bubble. And I think some guys just look bad in the bubble and whether it's like, should we pour dirt on this guy? Or if he's on a minimum salary, you're just asking him to play 15, 20 minutes against certain teams. And he's so smart. He's still good defensively. All the metrics back that up. All the other smart teams were trying to sign him. So that makes me think, all right, that's better than McGee. Well, remember this too. Wouldn't you love him guarding Jokic for you when it matters? Yes. I mean, he's a great post defender. And here's the other thing. And I'm not making excuses for anybody in the bubble, but I do think we've underestimated the mental toll it took on many people, including Marc Gasol, whose parents were in Spain 
when the COVID was raging in that mm. country. He couldn't get to them. He couldn't, he couldn't see them. He could talk to them. I think, I don't think either one of them ever got COVID, but they were very much at risk. I think he had a lot of things on his mind, honestly. And again, yeah. I think his role with Toronto was enhanced. They needed more. Toronto needed him more than the Lakers do. Does that make sense? So yeah. what the what the Lakers need, I think he can provide. I, I just I I love talking to him. I learn something every time I talk to him. And he's a really interesting guy in that he, you know, he gets along great with his teammates. He can be tough on coaches if he yeah. doesn't think coaches are doing things the right way. He loved Nick Nurse. They got along great. But you know, go back in his history a little bit. You know, he's had, and I don't mean to say he's a troublemaker or anything like that. I think he's just a really smart guy that's very honest with coaches when he thinks they're not doing the right thing. I think Frank Vogel will be fine with that. You know, I think I, Frank, Frank will be perfect for that. I think it was less important for the Lakers to get him, even though I think he's going to really help them. But a couple of the other teams that wanted him, you know, the Mavericks, right? They kind of stood pat for the most part. They didn't take any huge swings. They moved some salaries around. They got James Johnson back, which I think they needed to do because they needed yes. a Luca. They needed a Luca protector, which I think they, they knew after the playoffs. He's probably the toughest guy in the league. But I think Gasol really would have helped Dallas. I think the Lakers will help, but he's also a luxury for them, right? Deep down, they know you know whatever he gives them is awesome, but they can survive if it turns out he's semi washed up. He'll still be an awesome guy to have around and things like that. Yeah, they just seem more. They seem more professional to me. I think they won in the bubble despite that. They had some some nut jobs on that team. You know, even like Deion Waiters and JR. Yeah. It was yeah, come on, it man. was a very, you know, <laughs> kind of rowdy team. And and I think now maybe Harrell is the only guy they have is a little bit of a character. Everybody sure. else is gone. Well, and I'll be interested to see how LeBron and Gasol do. I would think there would be a great mutual respect there. Uh, but I'll be interested to see how they, because again, if LeBron uh, misses an assignment and starts yelling at the guy next to him, like Gasol's not going to put up with that. That's yep. not how he rolls. And I think that'll be really good for the Lakers, honestly. Yeah. And the other thing, Portland's going to have to be one of the teams they get through. Yeah. And that is somebody that gives them legitimate Nurkic insurance, you know? And I think, I think what they learned in the playoffs that year was ultimately when they really had to beat a good team the McGee Howard guys just, they, those just weren't options. And yeah, I mean, Javel McGee's like one of those little uh, fireworks you used to light off that like blew up for like two seconds and you're like, wow. And then you go, wait, that's it? Because <laughs> right. he's tired now. You go, he's got to go to the bench, you know? Yeah. And some of that's um, physical, physical stuff that he has. But I think they're going to miss Rondo, but I also agreed that they couldn't keep him at the price. I, I think. The funniest thing about the Lakers, first of all, the fact that I'm complimenting the Lakers is amazing, but I love that Magic Johnson <laughs> did the tweet about what a what a job by Rob Polenka, executive of the year. It's like you were literally driving a car over him right. 15 months ago and then backing up the car over his lifeless body and then driving it over exactly. again and yeah. now trying to pretend that never happened. Like, what are you doing, Magic? Yeah, but that's been going on for a while. That that whole uh, redo, that's been... Hey, give give... Isn't it time to give Rob Polinka some credit? I think it is. I think it I think is. It is. Well, I mean, I, I still feel like I can't believe they gave up all they gave up for Davis when they were the only suitor and they were getting him in a year, but it worked out and they won the title. So he can't be criticized. Yeah, what are you for gonna that. say? Yeah. Yeah. And I and, and then, I think I think what he just did was really what where we start to start really determining as a GM how he is. And and those moves were good moves. They yeah. were, they were solid across the board. And I think you could make the case that they were the only contender that actually got better. But I guess that leads us to Portland. This is my next question. 
because I'm mm. a little more lukewarm on what Portland did than other people. Oh, okay. All right. Why does the NBA media love Neil O'Shea so much? You're a member of this media. Every year, it's like Neil O'Shea. It's a big party for everything he does. Here's what they did. They okay. added Robert Covington. Yeah, I like Robert Covington. Me too. Okay. Harry Giles, he won't play when it matters. Derek Jones couldn't play for four rounds for Miami. Cantor was unplayable for the Celtics. They kept Carmelo, which I think is in a weird way kind of dangerous, even though I know he's an important background locker room I thought, guy. I thought he earned it. And then Rodney Hood for $21 million coming off in Achilles. They lost two picks. I guess if you're going to say, here's what they did, um, Covington is a crunch time guy for them. And they're crunch time now. I love Nurkic, Covington, Trent, Lillard, McCollum is a nice crunch time. The problem for me with Covington, he's had some pretty severe no-shows in the playoffs. He was terrible for Philly against the Celtics that one year. Right. And I thought in the Lakers series, um, all the stuff he was supposed to be doing, he didn't really do in that series. So I haven't seen him come through. And why are people always passing him around like he's a Yankee swap Christmas well, gift? Well, yeah, that is that is a tough thing. And, and I think it affects you when people keep trading you because you start to get comfortable in a place and then you're on the move again and it's hard to establish yourself. And I think defensively, He's had trouble because I think he's been injured. Uh, yeah, I was mm. talking to a GM day before yesterday who said, I love Covington as long as he's finally healthy. And I said, well, why? What, what are we talking about there? And he said, no, it's just knick-knack, knick-knack, knick-knack. But when knick-knack, knick-knack follows you from every place and you can't be reliable night in and night out when you're supposed to be a guy that's a perimeter defender that scares people, you got to be healthy to be able to do that. And I know a team, I know at least one team a year ago that, was afraid to trade for him because of the medical stuff. Yeah. So um, whether he's going to be healthy or whatever, but I, I just think I like their, their five now, but they paid, you know, they gave up two first round picks. That 16th right. pick in this draft, that could have been Bay from Villanova. Like that actually was a pretty yeah, nice pick. I'm excited to see him in the NBA, aren't you? And, yeah. And I, I don't, I don't follow the colleges as closely as I'd like, cause I'm trying to keep track of the NBA, but he just excites me. He's going to be fun. So He's they're kind of all in with this team, which leads me to my third question. Um, if you were doing your top five in the West right now, hmm. I think Portland's in the top three. And you would Great. probably have it Lakers, Clippers, Blazers, Nuggets, with Clippers, yeah, Blazers, Nuggets in some order. But See, could I'd, the have Blazers... the I'd have the Nuggets above the Blazers. Okay. Would you would. have the Nuggets ahead of the Clippers? No. No, I thought, so, you know, the Nuggets are a, conf a little bit confusing some of the things they did. So, you know, all along we heard that they got to keep two of their three big guys out of Plumlee, Grant, and Paul Millsap. They want to keep two of the three. And the most important one, you could argue, was Grant. Now, from what I understand, from what I've been told, the reason he... He's not with them anymore is he wanted a bigger role. It wasn't just the money. He wanted a bigger role on that team. And I'm not sure, he, you know, it was fantastic in the postseason. I get that. But going forward, who are your top three stars in your mind, in my mind, in your mind? It's it's the, the two obvious ones, Jokic and Murray. And then let's see what Michael Porter Jr. really is. And maybe for, you know, Jeremy Grant, that's what that's what tipped the scales. But they lost him and they lost Plumlee. And Plumlee's an easy punching bag. I get that. But he has value as a backup center. Now, I think they overpaid for him. Uh, and Denver probably didn't want to do that. But then they had to, you know, they had to scramble a bit. They re-signed Millsap. I don't know how much Millsap has left. You were talking about Gasol. I think Millsap's similar there. He's in a similar position. You love his veteran presence. He's a great teammate. He does everything right. But how much can he still do is the question. 
he looked a little spent in the playoffs, oh, but I think he, he was still yeah. weirdly important. And it was also interesting. Those smart teams were after him too, right? Dallas, yeah. Boston. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. you, you stumbled into my fourth question. We could go back to the third one, but I, my takeaway was this question is Denver waiting until 22 or 23 to make their run because clearly they assessed it and said, well, even if we overpay to keep Jeremy Grant, we still don't have enough. We're not going to, we're not going to beat these right. guys. We're probably better off. We have the RJ Hampton, who knows if he's going to make, but, but we'll roll the dice with him. We right. have Porter. We give Porter a much bigger role. I, here's my thing with Grant. I, I think, and this happens sometimes and I remember writing about it 15 years ago. David West was the first guy for me. David where West. everybody talked about how underrated David West was all the time. He's so underrated. And then he weirdly started to become overrated. Yeah. And there was this little, like, two-year stretch. Where, That's what happened yeah, to Chris Middleton. It's Chris Middleton. So this will happen yeah. from time to time. And I think with Grant, he was awesome as this one-year rental at $9 bucks. But then he be people started to think he was indispensable. Like, I thought he got demolished by the Lakers. And I, I think his defense is, I think people think he's this awesome 3 and D guy. I'm not sure defensively he's that good. And then offensively is kind of where more of his value is, but you would never say he's like an elite scorer or anything. Well, no, LeBron, LeBron like toyed with him. Now, granted, that's LeBron. He's one of the three yeah. best players ever, but he had no chance against him. So if he can't guard LeBron, why am I paying him 60 million? Well, see, so you're now you're sounding like Tim Connolly. You can understand why it went the way it did. And so right. I don't, I'm not criticizing them for letting him go. I understand that the, the, especially the financial implications of it, but it did end up catching them. Remember Tory Craig, they had to pull back their offer on Tory Craig. It was just a nice little piece. You know, the problem with the nuggets is they drafted way too well. I mean, like they couldn't afford Malik Beasley anymore. That's why they had to trade him. And then yep. Minnesota overpaid for him. But again, you oh, have God. to, cause it's, cause it's Minnesota. So you got to overpay just like and I'm sure we'll get to this at some point, Charlotte overpays yeah. Gordon Hayward. When you're in that market, you have no choice but to overpay for players like that. But Malik Beasley, and he's got some legal trouble. But, I mean, yeah. He, yeah. <laughs> to say the least. Yes. But I mean, I, I think he's a really good player. And, yeah. and you had to move on for him. And that's the problem Denver has when you, re, when you draft so well. And Tim Connolly's drafted as well as anybody. So Yeah, my guess is they assessed this and said we're not winning. If we bring everybody back, we can right. buy some time with one year for Millsap. And really the way that we jump a level is if Porter is awesome. If he is and, exactly what we hope he is. Yeah. yeah if he's if not Porter a jughead. Up. Right. He's got to, he can't be a jughead every three out of four games though. You know, like, right. so we'll see. All right. We're going to take a break. Then talk about the top five in the West. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. I love the NBA. When game day comes around, win or lose, this is the beer you want. Michelob Ultra, my go-to right now because I'm a light beer guy. Sorry, hate to break it to you. You know, I'll mess around with some other ones, but for the most part, really ever since college, I've been a light beer guy. Michelob Ultra, not only does it taste great, 95 calories, crisp and refreshing. Put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like McLoob Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game right now than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at McLoobUltra.com slash courtside LDA 21 and up. I mentioned top five in the West before. So you, it's Lakers, Clippers, and then you have Nuggets, Blazers. I think I might have Blazers, Nuggets because I think the Nuggets are a little worse. Um, what's little interesting bit. is they're, 
the Rockets drop out no matter how this other <sighs> thing plays out. They just do. But I, the Suns. Oh, they're so fun all of a they, sudden. The Crowder signing, because I didn't like their 10th pick. I thought they should have traded back. I, I thought that mm-hmm. was weirdly like front office malpractice. Just take the Celtics <laughs> picks. You're going to get your guy at 14 anyway. Get all That's these funny. extra picks. What are you doing? But then they they get Crowder, who I thought was going to get severely overpaid by somebody, especially after the Marcus Morris for sixty four million. Crowder, yeah. they get him for three for thirty. Yeah, They're able to get Sarge signing. back for three for twenty seven. They got Chris Paul. Um, whether Jalen Smith makes it or not, he's at least can be like a ninth tenth man, and and then you just have to hope Booker keeps going up. The arrow keeps going this way. And that's potentially a top five team. So I was hard on Sarver with the trading of future first. Right. Just to basically be a playoff team. It's like, I, that, I don't want to be an eight seed. But now after the Crowder thing, I'm like, eh, if Booker makes a jump, could that be a top five team in the West? What do you think? I think five's a little high just because mm. you're, you're, everything's got to break right. You've got to, you do have to have Booker keep going. And Crowder, Crowder on the Phoenix Suns is different than Crowder on the Miami Heat. Because Crowder on the Miami Heat has very specific roles. Uh, he, you know, remember early on, my God, he couldn't make a three pointer to save his life, but they could still roll them because he was tough. He was big. He could defend. He could bother people. And you had other people that could come in and shoot threes for you. They're going to be asking a lot more of him in Phoenix. Can he do it? I'm not 100% sure. So well, the one thing was- I like with him, in, and this is, I think Miami is going to really miss this. He, his underrated skill, and he did this in Boston too, was his ability to, you could go small with him at four yeah, or he, he could play can. three and he could mm-hmm. kind of vacillate. He was a Swiss army knife. This was why when I was doing my book, I thought the case for Havlicek being a little higher than some of these other guys was he had this, he's the best at this at anyone. He could be a guard or a forward and be the best at, at either position. So you could basically build the rest of your team, knowing that whoever we have, we could put Havlicek here or there. Crowder's not John Havlicek. Yeah, but no, not at he all. He allows you to, <laughs> he allows you to basically have this malleability that I think the heater, I think they're really going to miss that. They didn't replace Mo, Mo Harkless is not the same no, guy that no. Crowder is in that respect, and they're going to miss it. So I think for the Suns, that's a nice little chess piece to have. I agree, and I don't know if this is getting into cutting into your ten questions, but the, the most confounding thing about free agency for me was how many teams with the Miami Heat at the top of the list made decisions about players with an eye towards a future that may not exist. It just mm. confounds me, this, this chase for Giannis. And, you know, I think, that, I think that factored into why Jay Crowder isn't with the Miami Heat anymore. Mm. You know, they, signed, they overpaid Dragic for the one year that they gave him because, you know, I think they probably wanted Crowder to take a one-year deal, a Giannis-friendly right. deal. And, and I don't blame Crowder for not doing that. That's not his responsibility. And now they're in a big quandary here with, with Bam. Now, maybe Giannis is going to make it a moot point and sign the Supermax with Milwaukee uh, by the, what is it, December 20th, I think, right? Or 21st, yes. maybe. And, and, and then, but does that mean you still give up on Giannis? Or do you see one more year if he can, um, you know, do it with Milwaukee? And then even though he signed the Supermax, he can always say, oh, I want to move on. All these things. But man, you're playing with fire by leaving Ben Adebayo unsigned. I understand why they're doing it. And, I, and how long can you wait? Do you wait a whole nother year if you're Bam's agent? And if you're Bam, is that going to make you happy? So I, I had know. that as a top 10 question. Sorry. I'm, I no, know, no, 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 no. I'm killing I'm, you here. No, no, th- this is perfect because okay. this is a good one to audible into. 
I actually agree with that strategy if I'm Miami and Dallas, but for something you didn't bring up yet, I don't know if I had enough to beat the Lakers no matter what I did. Mm -hmm. Understood. So so you still are able to stay relevant and be in the pack. And if something weird happens to the Lakers, if this is the year LeBron breaks down, if this is the year they get bad injury luck, whatever, you're still in the mix. But I, I just think Giannis is so special that if you really feel like you're in the mix for that dude, and I think it's Miami or Dallas if he leaves. I think it's one of those two teams. And Dallas is the smarter pick, as we've discussed before, because right, you get to right. be Luka and now you're going to win titles. Right. But if it's Miami or Dallas and those are the two teams, I actually think they might have played it the right way I would uh, uh, versus just going all in on this year where you're probably not winning the title anyway. All right, so let me play devil's advocate, though. So yep. now Bam Adebayo was a revelation. We agree. He's he's one of the you know top 10 young players in the league. I don't think yeah. I mean, that's a stretch to say. So he says to you, I want to get paid. And you say, we're going to wait, and we're trying to wait so you can win a championship with Giannis. Here's the, and I believe, uh, I just learned this yesterday. I did not know this. Rachel Nichols told me that Giannis and Bam have the same agent. I didn't know that. So that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so we're, you say, well, we're going to wait. And if you're, if you're Bam out of bio and you almost had your shoulder ripped off and you played through it, are you going to play a whole nother year and risk injury because you're waiting for something that may or may not happen? If you're Bam out of bio and you're Bam out of bio's agent, are you really going to let that happen? I think it's a really interesting question. Well, you also saw Tatum got taken care of. Uh-huh. Supermax. Well, Mitchell got taken care of. Right. And then who was the third guy that somebody else got taken care of too? Or am I, uh, or was it just those two? Either no. way, he's yeah. looking at those two guys and he's like, well, I went against Tatum right. in a conference, in a conference finals. And I was the best player in that series. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, so that's the, that's the other side of it. And it's, you know, I always, I always used to think, well, these guys, they can gamble on themselves. And I just, this is going way, way back. But I just remember, I, when I was with Sports Illustrated, sitting down with Grant Hill when he was with the Pistons. Was he mm. with the Pistons? I think he yeah. was, yeah. And we were talking about, he had all sorts of options. He could opt out. He could gamble for a year, whatever. And he's like, ah, you know, what if I got hurt? That's what happened. You know? Right. That's what happened. And well, so, Bam, Bam did get hurt last year. He did. So it's anyway. recoverable. Right. Right. So you hope it is. But like, you know, Grant Hill was never the same, as we all know. I think the difference for me with this is that Giannis has a chance to be a generational superstar. Right. This isn't like rolling the dice with uh, Dwight Howard in 2014 or something. This is the level of KD in 2016. Or if Davis had become a free agent this year. Like it's so I I, I see it from their side, but I really do do think I think the Lakers put a lot of fear into these other teams, how dominant they were in the bubble, because they were. And mm-hmm. if you're just looking at it from afar and you're thinking like, man, as long as those two dudes are healthy, we're probably not beating them. So in a weird way, that was that adds to why they had such a good offseason. I feel like they scared off the Nuggets and the Heat a little bit. You know, and then That's the Rockets have completely dis- are discombobulated. That was another mm-hmm. team in their way. And then the other reason the Lakers win the offseason, and this is sad, but Clay going down just removes the uh, Warriors as a contender, right? They're just, just out now. Sad, yeah, and you know, you wonder if they're out sort of permanently because it's just such a long way back now from the other. Like this is even more devastating than the ACL tear. There's no worse injury than Achilles. People don't come back the same from it. Ask Wes Matthews, and he probably was the closest one to coming back 
from yeah. it. You know, it's just a devastating injury. And again, it's another year in your prime, which is why they they did what they did and went after Kelly Oubre because they can't, I don't feel like, they feel like they can squander another year of Draymond and Steph Curry in their prime. They got to try to go for it here for whatever that means. I actually, which, I was, I don't feel like I'm talking out of school with Steve Kerr here because we were texting a little bit about it, talking about that five-year window. He's talked about that publicly. Right. About, Yep. The miles that they put on those five years. And I was saying on my pod last week, it, you know, I always try to bring everything back to the mid 80s Celtics if I can, if there's an opportunity. <laughs> but, you know, I look back at, and you were covering them 84, 85, 86, 87, the wear and tear, not just all the playoff games, but Casey Jones playing those dudes like 46 minutes in February yeah. and, and leaving Reggie Lewis on the bench. <laughs> right. And by the time we got to 88, and that was kind of the end of that five-year run. That whole team just broke down everybody. And I do wonder with the Warriors, like you think Durant breaks down as that 2019 postseason's going. Clay breaks down twice. Right. And uh and Draymond and the, does not uh, right. Draymond doesn't look athletically as dominant as he did maybe five years ago. And you just think like, are NBA teams meant to have five-year runs like that? Probably not. Probably not. And again, you know, comp- uh, that that mid-80s team, as you know, the bench was thin. The- whether it was thin because Casey made it that way or they really just didn't, you know, choose to play young players, which was kind of the norm back then. But you're talking about McHale on a broken foot and they're telling yeah. him, you can't play on this foot anymore. You're going to be, you're going to be deformed. Like right. this will never be right. And, you know, he needs fusion surgery. He won't have it because he's too stubborn. But, and then Bird, it was eight, the next year he had the, he, it wasn't even his back. Remember he had double heel surgery. Yeah. I mean, he, he only played eight games, I think, that year. And then Parrish is the one that held up the best, ironically, because he took a pretty good beating. But he had, you know, ankle issues, shoulder, but he never had a knee issue. So that's why he could keep going. I don't, when you talk about these little mini dynasty runs, because I, I, I don't think the Warriors were a dynasty, but they were like a mini dynasty there for five, six years. You don't I, think I'm they hard- were a dynasty? Well, what do you call a dynasty? I'm, I'm pushing it, back on that. I, I call know. it dynasty. I, I think it's got to be a decade, personally. I, they were a mini dynasty. Time. Short-term dynasty. Dynasty is like we throw that around too much. We okay, only so have look, a couple but, dynasties. Okay, but then the Celtics weren't a dynasty either then. Which one? The, of the 80s, if you're going a whole decade. Well, because I mean, they, they split it with the Lakers. They kind of like were each right. half dynasties. Well, yeah. yeah. So, all right. Just I feel clear. like the the Arbach Celtics were the only dynasty we've really ever had. But like the Shaq Kobe Lakers, they weren't a dynasty. They were like a mini dynasty. Yeah, they were they dominant for five years. They could have been a dynasty. Yeah, they but been. I think if you go through NBA history, there's no no team that I could come up with that had a run like even like what the Warriors had. Or what about like the what Bulls? The, what about the no, Bulls? No, no, I'm saying like where they had bad injury luck. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, and then okay. bounced back and then it extended it for a couple more years. Oh, right, like, I think right. these are really bad omens for, yeah. you know, now no. Curry's in his 30s. Clay's going to be in his 30s. Draymond um, will be in his 30s in his second. They really need, you know, either Wiggins or Wiseman or both to really surprise us. And I think Wiseman might, you know, might have the yeah, potential. The I don't potential think Wiggins do does. Wiggins doesn't. Well, yeah, but maybe Kelly Oubre does. You know, you mm. got him for a year to figure that out. He's, what is he, 24? Yeah. I think, so I, I looked it up because I was curious about him. I When he was in Washington, he, he was one of the worst defenders in the league. He's yeah. improved dramatically. I looked at his defensive numbers and defensive numbers are are very subjective. They're really hard to even... You know, every every person I've ever talked to when I'm writing stories, they're like, any defensive metrics you have, don't even use them because they don't really tell you what they're supposed to tell you. They're he, they're really fraught with peril. But you could, you know, the eye test tells us Kelly Oubre has gotten to be a better defender. And I think 
the way the Warriors play, if he can be a perimeter pest up there, you know, guy, he certainly has the wingspan and the length and the, uh, the athleticism and the quickness to do that because he's not a, you know, people should not expect him to be Clay Thompson. He's a, I think he's a 33% career three point shooter. Now he was up around 35% last year. That's decent. Um, yeah. But he does other things for you. He can, you know, he can help you off the ball. He can drive to the, there's other things he can do, but to plug him in and say, okay, you be Clay Thompson. I mean, that, that, People are, that's a mistake. I think they could patch together 85% of his stats, right? And and if yeah, anything, maybe. as a regular season team, I actually don't think they're going to be, you know, I'm not writing them off. I just don't think they can like beat the Lakers in a playoff series, but I do think they could sneak into top five potentially if they can patch together his stats. Yeah. They're going to miss his defense, but you know, the X factor for them, and it's weird to call him an X factor, but Curry's a generational superstar, you know, yeah. and we haven't seen him in this situation where he has to carry that kind of offensive load, especially in a shortened season. Um, right. In his prime, he's always had help in other places. They're going to miss Thompson's ability to, you know, just the fear he brings in almost like a wide right. receiver where you're just always, the defense always worried about him, but they could patch it together. They have good coaching. They got, they got a couple of good rookies last year that I think will be able to help them. Um, yeah. I'm not writing them off, but I'm sad because, Oh, it's, I do it's think heartbreaking. With he, Clay, he, I think they could have battled the Lakers. I really do. Well, and Clay's just like, he's just such a pro. I mean, he, he never cared about the limelight, you know, just yeah. went out, did his job. Like, he was just so great to be around. It made me sick to my stomach when I heard this. Really did. Do you think, do you think he has the highest approval? I asked this last week, but I'll ask you. Do you think he has the highest approval rating of any NBA star with fans and media? Like, it just hmm. seems like he's beloved across the board. I'm trying to think of anybody else who's like that. Yeah, I think he is that way. Be and it's because he doesn't ask for it. He doesn't yeah. invite it, you know? So yeah, I, I think, I do think, um, I think honestly, and he's not nearly at the caliber of him. Does anybody, is there anybody in this world that doesn't like Fred Van Vliet? Cause I haven't mm. met, I haven't met him or her. I haven't met that person. Fred, and cause he, the kid goes undrafted goes from being undrafted to getting $85 million and deserves every penny of it and looks like your next door neighbor that you used to shoot hoops with like in the third grade. So I think that's why, and it's the same reason why everyone fell in love with Steph Curry when they, when he first started being good, the shooting from near half court was part of it. But the other part was that people can identify with people that look like them. Yeah. Right. And Fred Van Vliet looks like us. You know, he's not freakishly tall. He's, he's very talented. I don't mean to say he's not, but he, but he looks like a kind of a regular guy. He also adopted, uh, he didn't adopt it, but he, his mantra was bet on yourself, which has been one of my big so things fantastic. all decade. I am a big, that would be my, if I ever write a, one of those, one of those self-help motivational books, yeah, yeah. it'll definitely bet on be yourself. bet on myself with me on the front, like pumping my <laughs> fist. Um, all right. We got more questions coming. We're taking one more break. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. I love the NBA. When game day comes around, win or lose, this is the beer you want. Michelob Ultra, my go-to right now because I'm a light beer guy. Sorry, hate to break it to you. You know, I'll mess around with some other ones, but for the most part, really ever since college, I've been a light beer guy. Michelob Ultra, not only does it taste great, 95 calories, crisp and refreshing. Put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like McLoob Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game right now than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. 
Enter for your chance to win at McLobeUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. This episode is brought to you by Verbo. You know, it is already stressful enough to deal with airports, delayed flights, bad weather. You want your actual where you're staying experience to be perfect, to be lights out. You don't want to have to worry about anything. When you book a vacation rental, you want to know exactly what you're paying ahead of time. The stress of getting hit with unexpected cleaning fees after your stay that can immediately cancel out all the great time you just spent unwinding. Thankfully, when you book with Verbo, you can see the total price upfront. There are no unpleasant surprises and the savings do not stop there, my friends. When you book with Verbo, you earn 2% cash back toward your next vacation through the One Key Rewards program, letting your money do the work for you while you've got your feet up. So while other vacation rentals can feel like a roll of the dice, relax knowing you booked a Verbo. Book your next private vacation rental in the Verbo app. All right, back to the 10 questions. My next one for you. We alluded to it earlier. Let's just do it now. What the hell is going on in Houston? What the hell? Well, you know, I feel bad for, I feel feel bad for Steven Silas. That's who I feel bad for, okay? Mm. Because he's waited his whole life for this opportunity and is well-respected throughout the league. And, And I'm mad at these players because- we know there aren't enough black coaches in the league and it isn't right. And then here's this guy gets elevated to his first chance and you're all jumping ship. It ticks me off, to be honest with you. And, and yeah. James Harden wants out. I think they're going to hang on to him for a while. Good. I think on opening night, I think he'll be on Houston's roster. Now, the funny thing about Houston is they signed, we were talking before about players that are underrated that can sometimes become overrated. The most underrated player in this free agency period for me was Christian Wood. I don't think people realize how good he is. And that's because he played with Detroit. And we could, is Detroit one of your 10 questions? Because what are they doing? Oh, it's coming. It's, it, we, okay. I, I have okay. it nice, nice and saved. Wonderful. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, they they signed Christian Wood. To me, that was a just a fabulous signing. I mean, he, he's a good young player. And did they overpay for him? I don't really think it was $41 million. I, I, no, I don't really think they did. But Westbrook, if you can move on from Westbrook, goodness gracious, go right ahead and do it. I thought they were hamstrung and were going to be hell-bent on keeping the boat. It's clear to me that they, they wouldn't mind moving on from Westbrook. And it feels a little bit to me like James Harden wouldn't mind that either. So, yeah. Boy, you know, James really, James, he's like one of those... Uh, like stars of the TV show that just keeps getting rid of the other characters They're on the, the show. Yeah, Kyrie Irving. Like, like if he was like Law and Order Houston, it's like every year it's like, oh, that person <laughs> left. Here's another. Here's another new character. Law and Order <laughs> Houston. That's perfect. But so I mean, I think they're going to hang on to him, and maybe it becomes untenable. Maybe James Harden makes it untenable. Uh, but you know, he's one of the most. I mean, he's one of the most gifted scores I've ever seen in my life. I wouldn't trade him either. I wouldn't. I have a hot take. Okay. I kind of I kind of like what they're doing. Now, I I don't know if they're doing it intentionally, but I thought getting <laughs> two first-round picks for Covington and then turning that money basically into Christian Wood is really smart. It is. Christian I think Wood's you can make really a case good. Christian Wood could give them everything Covington gave them and they got these two extra picks. Now, yeah. they didn't use the 16th pick, which I didn't really understand. That seemed like a money thing to me. They yeah. flipped it for a future trade first, but now they have two first round picks, they can at least, you know, Entice. trade if yep. they feel like they're close, if they can win over the Harden thing. I had heard, I thought Westbrook was going to Washington and I had heard that Bradley Beal, that Bradley, Bradley Beal was driving it. No, no, that Bradley oh. Beal was driving 
a Westbrook thing and that they were actually going to include a pick potentially. And it wasn't just a one for one that they were yeah. actually putting in more. No, you'd have to put a pick in there because John Wall yeah. hasn't played in two years. Right. So yeah, I have my own hot take on, on my, on my John Wall trade. What is it? Let's hear it now. Well, but it'll get us into Detroit. So should we just wait? Okay. Yeah. Save that. We'll wait. We'll um, wait. But I was kind of excited for Westbrook on Washington because Beal, <laughs> Westbrook, Robin Lopez. It's like, all right, that's a 43 win team. Wow. I would, I that's would watch a, them on league pass. That's like an endlessly entertaining team. I'll say. Yeah. That. Why not? And, we don't, and, and, um, they have some young players. They 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 might get there. I just don't know when. Uh, well, Westbrook to me though is it's diminishing returns because he's not the same player clearly, and he just can't seem to come to grips with who he is. And by that I mean you shouldn't be shooting threes, dude. Like just give it yeah. up. And he just can't come to grips with it. He wants to be the alpha, and he wants to still play the way he was playing five years ago. And there's still great value, obviously, in a guy of his skill set. But you have to be willing to adjust a little bit, just like all great players do as they get older. The way LeBron has adjusted. Look how LeBron has changed the way he's played. Some of the greatest players in our game have done that. Unlike Antoine Walker, who was trying to do it when he was in his 20s to try to play, you know, try to shoot threes like he was a 35-year-old. Go back in the post, Antoine, you know? So he didn't want to get fouled. He's once his free throw shooting went south, it was over. I do love I, Antoine personally. I think he's just a lovely person. And you know, he was on a bad team. He was on a team that was told to lose and to tank. They were instructed to tank. And that's just so bad. It's so toxic when you have young players who are developing and they know you're not trying to win. Terrible. I've been trying to make that case for 12 years and every everybody gets mad. I don't think it's, I, I think the Miami Dolphins are a good example of what they're doing right now. And it all started those last five, six games last year mm-hmm. where they're actually like trying to build good habits. Yeah, that's it. You know, yeah. uh, back to the Rockets though. Yeah. So basically they lose Covington and Rivers, but they gain Christian Wood. They signed Boogie, which is an interesting flyer. Uh, yeah, and they got these two future first. Like, so my question as I'm thinking about them long-term is do we overreact to Westbrook in the bubble? Because we've seen this now in football too, where these guys get COVID and yep. some of them don't come back totally right. He definitely wasn't right. Then he got hurt. Yeah. And I'm just trying to think of what Westbrook looked like in January, February, March. I actually would trade for him if I was the whiz. And I, let's say I had to give up my number one pick and it was top five protected next year. It's like, all right, well, I'm going to make the playoffs or top 10 protected, whatever. I'm going to make the playoffs if I make the deal. Yeah. Um, But then, but then this leads me to Charlotte, which is our other, what the hell are they doing team where Charlotte could have just traded for Westbrook and probably sent Nick Batum back and taken on money. And instead they spent 120 million on Gordon Hayward. And I know whatever, but given Hayward's injury history and the fact that, you know, he's hitting a different stage of his career age wise, that seems so much riskier to me than just trading for Westbrook. I didn't get that. Well, I, I mean, they overpaid for Gordon Hayward, but as we've already discussed, if you're the Charlotte Hornets and you want somebody, you have to overpay for him. Now, they took that to a new level, I'll agree, it's the four years. Um, my guess is that the only way Gordon was going there is if you gave him the fourth year. Otherwise, he would have taken maybe less money in their sign and trade with Indiana, right? Yeah. That makes some sense. Mark Bartlestein, by the way, he's just one of the best in the business to get Gordon that contract yet again. It's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. And he's, he plus, he's such he a played, good agent. He played chicken with Danny Ainge, and I think Ainge kept waiting for Bartlestein to just steer away, and and Bartlestein's like, yeah. no, 
I'm going, yeah. coming straight at you. You better listen to me. I'm going to take them. Right. But I think so, the Celtics thought it was the Knicks and they didn't realize it was the Hornets. Well, they, sh- I, I don't know that they should know that. I, I, I will say this with the, with the injury history and, and I might be a fool for saying this, but I still, I think the injuries that Gordon Hayward had have been freakish injuries. Mm. You know, it's not like someone with a bad knee, like Kyrie's had how many surgeries on his knees? It's not like that. It's like, I mean, there's no, there's right. There's no worth freakish injury than the first one. Right. And then I think your body isn't quite right. Cause I don't think that ankle maybe will ever be quite a hundred percent. Right. And then you have all just like you break these bones. I mean, they were freak injuries. So before he got to Boston had these series of freak things happen to him, he was a very durable player. Yeah. And I think, you know, I do, uh, I know, as a matter of fact, that Charlotte, of course, has some concerns about his durability, but they need leadership. They need someone that can, you know, LaMelo, make LaMelo Ball think there's hope there and that there's a chance. So by overpaying for Gordon Hayward, maybe you're appeasing LaMelo Ball and, and hoping that he wants to build with you there. And and Gordon Hayward, I still think, I still believe, whoops, I'm going to kill my little thing here. I still believe Gordon Hayward can be a 20 point a game scorer. I believe that. I really do. So the case for the signing is the seven games he played last season before he broke his hand. Yeah. Yep. He had 39, I think, against Chicago. Yeah, and you don't he even need that He was 20 a game. Yeah. He was starting to attack the basket again, yep. and it was like, oh, well, maybe that was a two-year injury. Then he gets hurt twice. Right, and he was their best facilitator last year. I mean, and that's the part. That's what the Celtics will miss. It's it's not going to show up. He, you know, he had a lot of hockey assists. He made the pass that made the great pass that made the other guy make the easy pass for the, for the layup or the score. And the other guy gets the assist. I mean, you know, say what you want about Gordon Hayward. I'm not exactly sure why he wants to end up in Charlotte, but that's his business. Uh, I do think it was hard for him to accept the role that he accepted last year, less shots, everything. It was very difficult for him. Um, I think it was difficult for his family, I should say. And, uh, and I think he just thought, you know what? I, I want to spread my wings. I think I can still be an all-star. All that's fine. I will say this about him. Did you ever hear him complain? Did you ever read about him complaining? Like, no. you know, he never, he never did. And uh, and there was always this weird dynamic right from the beginning when Jalen Brown, not even this year, past year, started his ascent. And it became apparent, like, okay, maybe Jalen Brown's the number three, not Gordon Hayward. I think there was always friction between their camps, you know, people that were in their camps, but I never saw friction between them as teammates. And I think that's a credit to both of them. Honestly. I think the one thing that really got lost with him was his defense just dropped. Yeah. yeah. I don't think it was ever the same with his ankle. And I I really thought, I know he was hurt in the bubble last year, but he was supposed to come in and at least be an upgrade over the crappy swingman they got. And yeah, I don't know. He, he shouldn't have been playing. He shouldn't have been playing. Honestly, that's God, fair. He should have been playing. Yeah. But, but once you play, you have to be prepared. You have to be prepared for take the criticism. If you go up there, once you put the uniform on, you go out there, you're fair game to you know anybody that wants to take you on. It was time for him to go. I don't blame him for leaving. I still yeah. think we're going to look back at this three years the Celtics had and just be like, wow. You think like they signed Horford. Hayward pull off the Ky- the Kyrie trade in basically a 14 month span. Plus they have these incredible Brown Tatum assets and right. Marcus smart and they're all in rookie contracts. Right. And you just think like, it's kind of impossible. They didn't make the finals, but, but think about this. You just named the three guys, Kyrie Horford Hayward. All what done. did they, what did they get for him? They all walked bill. 
That yeah. is not a good sign. And I don't know why that is. Like, I mean, Kyrie. Well, Ky, Ky, come on. We can't yeah, compare right, Kyrie right, to right. normal we human can't. beings. But, but, but Al Horford walking away. Now, I guess he thought he was going to have a better chance of winning a championship with Philly, which has ended up being pretty laughable because, right. you know, they were a complete disaster and he was at the epicenter of why they were a disaster. He needs a new home. I'm glad he has a new home. I don't think, I wouldn't be surprised if, if OKC flips him again. Yeah. I'm not, you know, if they can, but with that contract, it's going to be hard. But, but, but the fact that he left now, I, I just kept thinking, is he leaving because he thinks Kyrie's staying and he can't take the madness anymore? But he must have known that Kyrie. I think he I mean, knew we, Kyrie was leaving. I mean, yeah, we all I, knew, right? Yeah. We all knew. So, so Al Horford leaving, because that's, you know, we, originally we thought the money was really great. And then we learned later that the third year wasn't, was only partially guaranteed. It wasn't fully guaranteed. So it wasn't, a, so that, that was, that set off an alarm with me. Like Al Horford's a, by all accounts, a, a great teammate, a good guy and doesn't make waves. So why, why is he one out of there? And now another guy, Gordon Hayward, good guy, good teammate, doesn't make waves. Why are these guys leaving? I have an incredible theory on this, but we're going to take a break. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. When you have a good team of skilled, talented people, good things are bound to happen. That's true in sports. It's true in business. It can be true with digital companies or websites, or podcast networks. If you're running a small business, one of the best places to look for those people is LinkedIn Jobs. They have what you need to find and hire qualified professionals you can't find anywhere else. And unlike other job boards, LinkedIn Jobs has a vast network of professionals, like more than a billion people. And it makes the whole hiring process intuitive and easy to manage. They're constantly launching new features to help make the hiring process more manageable. They even created a tool to help write job descriptions recently. Over 2.5 million small businesses trust LinkedIn when it comes to hiring and over 86% find a qualified candidate within the first day. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Simmons. That's linkedin.com slash Simmons to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Jackie left us with the question, why are these guys leaving Boston? I think this is a real issue for the Celtics. Um, Danny Ainge, the GM, who's been running the team for the last 15 years, one of the best things about him as a GM is he's he has no loyalty in anybody. He's going to do True. whatever move it takes yep. to, to get it done. He wants to win a title. And everyone around the league knows that. I think we've hit a point with him specifically where the word is now out with the, with the players and the agents like, don't don't feel safe in Boston. The fact that they're trying, you know, they were kind of quietly shopping Kemba around there. Right. Yeah. Um, this offseason, they definitely were receptive to Hayward sign and trade and all that kind of stuff with him. Yeah. I think putting Isaiah in that Kyrie deal kind of changed how the league looks at the Celtics. And I think that's something they have to reckon with a little bit. Like, this is how we're perceived around the league right. as a team that over and over again will trade your ass the moment they can improve you into a slightly better asset. Yeah, so interesting. now it didn't matter to Tatum. It didn't matter to Brown. They both resigned. So you got to mention that, but I do think they're the one team. I think the other one, Dallas is another one that I think for whatever reason, players seem to be hesitant to go there. And I don't know whether it's the agents who, because Cuban was so close with Dan Fagan once upon a time, whether the mm -hmm. other agents kind of carry that residue, but it is interesting to me that Boston and Dallas have trouble keeping guys or have some sort yeah, of weird. stigma to them. What do you but think you know, of that? Well, so I think that is a good theory. And there was a huge outrage when Isaiah Thomas got traded. But I was like, are you guys paying attention? 
He got traded for Kyrie Irving. Right. I mean, it, it, to me, it but was he, but such he played, a no-brainer. But he played hurt for them that playoffs. He did. He did. And I'm not arguing really with any of that. never been the same. But I, and I think that I think to players, especially in the player empowerment era, and the, right, right, and how sensitive everybody is. I think they saw that Isaiah Thomas thing and that did not go over well around the league. I know, I know it didn't. I've had people right, tell right. me that. No, no. So, and it, we heard it. We heard it loud and clear, but I will say this too. The Isaiah Thomas with the hips and all the stuff he went through, the medicals on him when he came to Boston, they were aware. They're aware of right. that. That was not that, something that happened. Just, he had a bad collision, Right. And that's what exacerbated. But those, those, th- that condition existed on both hips. And he was course, the now- most terrifying Celtic in terms of being concerned for his own welfare yeah. that I've ever rooted for. Because those crazy drives, oh, when he yeah. would go barreling yeah. into the lane, go flying off somebody, going to the basket support. Right. Every time you're holding your breath. But that was just how he played. All right. So here's my question to you. Here's a hot take for you. So you got to make amends. You did Isaiah Thomas wrong. Why don't you sign him to a veteran minimum? Because you've drafted 17 guards over the last three years. Right. And they have so of, many guards. I don't even keep either, track. But, they, but they're like Romeo Langford, is he ever going to play? I mean, I don't think he's going to start the year with them again. You know, so he might be good, but who the hell knows? You know, so I'm just, I'm playing devil's advocate a little bit. But, but I think the thing with Isaiah is one thing. But I also think, I don't know if you remember this, but Jay Crowder was on the Celtics and Gordon Hayward was still with the Jazz coming to town and the fans were all cheering for Gordon Hayward. And Jay right. Crowder's like, what the hell, man? I'm I'm here. I'm, right. I'm playing for you right now. That was tough. So that was a bad optic too, you know? Yeah. I have a hot take for you related to the Celtics. This is not one of my 10 questions. Okay. I actually think they're better. I think- I I've think, heard this from others. Really? Who? Yes. I, I thought I, thought I, think, I invented uh, this one. No, I think Gary Washburn of the Boston Globe float, uh, wrote something to that effect yesterday or today. I would just, look, I'm, as as you just heard, I'm not being a Celtic show because I do think there are some issues here that they have to figure out how yeah. to deal with long-term. But I would just rather have Tristan Thompson for two years, 19, than Gordon Hayward for- I don't know, four years, 105, whatever their final offer was to him, or three years, 90, whatever they offered. I, I think they they can replace Hayward's minutes with Smart and with hopefully this, uh, this Neesmith and mm-hmm. kind of patch together the stats when he was he was the fourth option anyway. You don't pay your fourth option 30 million. What they no, really needed, they yeah, needed Tristan Thompson. They needed him last year. He's somebody that can play crunch time. He can switch on defense. He's a good rebounder. He can run to the rim with his hands up and get little touch passes, things like that. I think he's a crunch time guy for them. I thought they were too small last year. And I think he's really good. And here's the thing with Thompson, beloved in Cleveland. Like there were stories about they want to retire his number. The fans right, like right. really appreciated yeah. what he did. I, I think he's been in huge games. We saw a team win a title with him four years ago. We did. And I thought I thought him and Abaca were my two favorite signings out of yeah, everything. Yeah, Abaca I love. Although Abaca, you know, it's funny for Abaca for the Clippers. That was it. I mean, I'd rather have him than Harrell. Yes. But here's the problem. He has a player option in 2021. So if things with the Clippers aren't really going great and Kawhi and Paul George opt out, now you can opt out too. So that's the danger of Abaca. I love Abaca. That, that leads us to our next question. Oh, I love that when that happens. Why does it feel like the Clippers have a big move yet? So they had Abaca, they had Kennard, they yep. lost Harrell, they lost Shamit, they lost Reggie Jackson, whatever. 
Mm-hmm. They paid Marcus Morris $64 million for four years, which almost made me steer my car into traffic, and I'm not even a Clipper <laughs> fan. I just can't. I If you had $30 million for four years, I would have probably been bummed out. But 64 is like just insane. That guy, yeah. I just don't trust him at all in a playoff game. Um, but they still have the Beverly contract. They still have the Lou Williams contract. Yeah, they're not And done. I assume they're going to package those two together for something. So who is it? Who are they getting? I don't know. I, I don't know. But the, it feels like they've got to do something. I, I just, there's something, and I wish I knew more about, I wasn't around them a lot because no, I wasn't around any team a lot because of the pandemic. But right. something in that locker room was just wasn't right all year. A little stinky. Paul, yeah, Paul George was acting odd and Pat Beverly was puffing his chest out a little more than he needed to. And Kawhi Leonard, as usual, said nothing. And it just felt a little funny to me. And then, you know, Harold leaves and says, well, I went to the Lakers because they wanted me more than the Clippers did. Like, that's not a good look for the Clippers on the way out the door either. So he was unplayable in the Denver series. He was. I'm not not sure what the Clippers are supposed to do at that point. Yeah. Can I give you a a trade? Okay. Yeah, I like trades. Lou Williams. And Beverly. Ooh, both of them? Yeah. And we get back, well, Spencer Dinwiddie. Ooh, I do like Spencer Dinwiddie. And maybe, you got to pay him, though. And maybe Curix. And you just patch it together until, basically, I think it's Be- Beverly and Di- Beverly for Dinwiddie and Lou Williams is in the trade somehow, or maybe you ship Lou Williams somewhere mm. else. But just the yeah, Beverly cause... for Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie's not staying in Brooklyn. He's not going to play with Kawhi, uh, Kyrie. Kawhi's, Kyrie's going to yeah. be threatened by him. And Beverly is like the classic. I think superstars love guys like Beverly and Marcus Smart. Marcus because Smart, yeah. Deep down, they know they're not going to want touches. They're going to always going to want to guard the toughest guy on the other team. So at yeah. least Dinwiddie for Beverly and maybe you figure out how to get Lou in that. I, that feels like the trade to me. So Dinwiddie is, they can't keep Dinwiddie because they don't want to pay him. They just paid Joe Harris. So they're, yeah, but, they now, can't. but the clips are tied in now to this next summer is our great reckoning. No, no, no. Right. I mean, I mean, Brooklyn can't pay Oh yeah, Dinwiddie. Brooklyn. Right. Yeah. They, they just can't. So I like Dinwiddie, but again, this is the game I always play. Dinwiddie on Brooklyn with no Kyrie and no KD is different than Dinwiddie playing on the Clippers with Kawhi. And Paul George. Dinwiddie's going to want some shots. Does yeah, but if in? you're the Clippers, don't you want that? Because one of the big things I heard coming out of the season was Kawhi was really mad he had to like be the lead ball handler. He doesn't want to do that. Like he's had his most success with like in Toronto, Lowry yeah, was Kyle the lead Lowry. ball handler. Yeah, and Van Vliet, right. and he's playing right. off the ball. But when you needed him in a game yeah, Tony seven, Parker. that's when you fed it to him. Yeah, Tony Parker, same thing. Yeah, right. The Clippers were using him like he was, you know, Luka Doncic. Right. which is not how you want to use him. So um, I, other than Dinwiddie, I can't think of an available offensive mm. point guard like that. I don't yeah. Know. You know what? I think you're onto something there. Bill. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. I, I like appreciate that. it. Well, Kennard, I like, and I like Injury, injuries, knees concerned about that. Fair. I like getting distressed assets from bad teams though. Like I like getting somebody from the Kings. I like getting somebody sure. from the Pistons. Well, like, like Christian Wood from the Pistons. Yeah, totally. Um, anyway, all right. Next question. Could you argue, I, this ties into the honest thing, but could I just trust Miami as a, as a thinking man's franchise? Mm -hmm. 
Understood. Pat Riley. Could we look back? Could we look back in a year and say they had the shrewdest offseason? So basically they had Avery Bradley and Mo Harkless. They were able to keep Dragic for one year. They lose Crowder. They lose Jones, who doesn't doesn't matter to them. Dragic has a big one-year figure that they can, if they're if something wacky happens, they can spin it. Yeah. And they're basically running it back. And oh, and they uh they they brought back Leonard too on a big contract. Way overpaid him too. And but they don't su- care. It's one year, though. No, you I know, know. It's- and it's all related to this Giannis thing. I just, I just, I'm going to reiterate the the worry I have about Bam Adebayo's headspace. Okay, fair. You know, yeah, we talked about the, this. That's the only thing. But I, I, and I don't know about Avery Bradley. So I like Avery Bradley. I've you know covered him for many, many, many years on many different teams. I don't know if he. I don't know if he can play the way Miami is going to want him to play. Well, he's also another Yankee Christmas swap guy. Why does well, he yeah. keep changing teams? And you know he's why been on is? like 100 because, teams. Well, he got this great defensive reputation, right? He was a defensive darling. He made an all-defensive team only once, I think. But it's because he's an unbelievable on-the-ball defender. But Bill, just spend some time watching him off the ball. Right. Like he gets spun around like a top. So I always thought he was a little overrated defensively, to be really honest. And I mean, great on the ball, great ball hawker. But beyond that, like in and everything Miami does is all about the team and you have to be on a string. And I don't know if Avery Bradley's gonna be really good at that. Just my okay. own two cents. Well, what's audible to what was the single best signing? Here are my nominees. Okay. Crowder for three for thirty to Phoenix. Excellent. Abaca two for nineteen in the Clippers with a player. Love that option. one. Yeah, but the player Trist- option worries me. Tristan Thompson, two for nineteen to Boston. Harold two for nineteen to the Lakers player option, yeah. And Robin Lopez one for nine to Washington, which I, I I'm still a Robin Lopez believer. I still remember that Bulls Celtics series where yeah. he was just completely <laughs> wreaking havoc. I've always yeah. wanted to see him on a playoff team. Those were my five favorites. Did you have and Christian Wood? We Christian three Wood, for 41. See, yeah. Christian Wood to me is is one of them. You know, this is one that it's not a huge deal. Um, but I just sneaky liked it was DeAnthony Melton re-signing with Memphis mm. and it wasn't big numbers. I, I don't have it in front. I don't think I have it I in thought, front. yeah, it was like three for 45, yeah, so, I mean, three like for I, 35, something I think like he's, that. I think he's one of those like sneaky good guys that uh, you want to hang on to and they did. And, you know, it's not like Memphis is there yet. We know they're going to get there because they got great young talent and they're on their way. But I thought that was a really sneaky good signing too. So the... Those are my top six. Um, Gordon Hayward was probably in the bottom five. And I, I, the Charlotte, the piece I don't understand with the Charlotte thing, you, you just were in hell with Nick Batum's contract. Right. Where you overpaid somebody who wasn't an all-star. You quickly realized it was a mistake. And then you're just in purgatory with it for three years and you can Mm -hmm. climb out of hell. Now you're training for Hayward, hoping that that's not going to also be a terrible contract. And even worse, you're stretching Nick Batum now. Well, the, the stretching was that. So then it becomes a 39, 39. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's like on the that. books for a nine, nine and nine. So yeah. next year and the year after you're paying Hayward slash Batum They count for 39 on your cap. Right. And also like, where are you going? Like Lamelo is going to be, I think the most erratic guy out of all those draft picks he's gonna have games where he's just unplayable yeah but he'll also have games where you're like oh my god why didn't i take him i mean i think he's got that kind of ability oh so you're higher on him than i am i'm I'm i think so yeah no i like him i think he's got now he is going to be erratic 
because they're going to ask him to do a lot. But I, I think Gordon Hayward's going to have a good, I think he's going to have a good, I don't know about four years, but I'll, I'm going to say he's going to have a good three years in Charlotte. Remember, he signed an offer sheet there all those years ago. I think it's it's a kind of town that suits him and that will suit him. You know, I think it's going to be a good marriage. I, did they overpay? Of course they did. Absolutely. But I think I think for both both parties involved, it just it's the fresh start they both need. It's interesting. If I was a if I was a bad team, I would do what Presti's doing. And it's funny that and Daryl had always told me this. Like the he's like GM fantasy would be to just be horrible with no assets whatsoever because he'd be like, here's what you do. And he he yeah. basically laid out exactly what Presti's doing. Where well, it's like, like, cool, you need to get yeah. rid of Al Horford, I'll take him, but give me right. a first round pick. Right. Well, like Sean Marks in Brooklyn, give Sean Marks a lot of credit. He's for another one. He and Kenny Atkinson, what they did in Brooklyn, you know, same kind of thing. So I, I just, uh, Daryl, imagine how great was Daryl though? Getting, uh, did you ever guess that they could move Al Horford and get Seth Curry, who's going to help them, by the way? Yeah, mm-hmm. I I didn't love giving up Richardson, but I didn't I get think that. he fit, he didn't fit with that team though. No, he Curry doesn't. Curry fits in better with what Philly does. A hundred percent. So like everybody always says that. And I, it's to me, it's so short-sighted that Embiid and Simmons can't play together. I mean, that, that just isn't true. Two years ago, we have all the, the defensive metrics that tell us the numbers with them on together and off together. It was like a differential of like 15 points or something crazy like that. Why? Because, well, Jimmy Butler helped a tremendous amount, but because they had J.J. Redick too. They had shooters around him. And so you bring Seth Curry in, you have a, you have a shooter around him. You know, it makes a difference. This assume, idea that they can't play together to me, it just, I don't believe that. I just don't. So I have a, a twist on that theory. I don't think they can play together with the rest of the roster that they had built last year. Okay, that's fair. This big, clumsy yeah. roster where yeah, everybody's that. just in everyone's way. They couldn't play right. together. If they're going to get back to, you know, they still they still don't, I'm not happy with the point guard situation still. But, mm-hmm. and I, I guess they're going to tell us Ben Simmons is a point guard again. I, I personally... We'll I wish he had his own team. I was really hoping Harden for Simmons would happen. I just kind of wanted Ben Simmons to almost yeah. like the movie star, just put him in his own movie. Yeah, he's put so him great. in his give him his roadhouse with Patrick Swayze, kind of just let him yeah. go kill some bad guys. So, but didn't you think it was kind of sneaky cool that he did make all NBA? Like he he snuck onto yeah, the third all NBA team. Yeah, I did too. And 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 Joel B did not, by the way. Joel B did not make. Well, listen, All-NBA. he Joel Embiid's at a reckoning. We and we everyone. He's like ready, us, man. I'm telling you, I'm talking to everybody around him. Like he's gonna have a big year. I'm predicting this he right needs now to have your, his shack in 1999. He's gonna right have now, it. Right? He's gonna have it. I really think he is because I think Doc's the perfect fit for him. He knows how to stroke him and kick him in the rear end at the same time, and and I do think that people have underestimated how often Joel Embiid has played hurt, and I think. He's going to get in great shape. I, I, I might be wrong, but that's my prediction. I think he's going to have a really big year. I think he's mad that he wasn't an All-NBA show. He hasn't said that to me. I haven't talked to him. Yeah. I'm not reporting. I'm not aggregating anything. This is just my, I'm, I'm making a supposition if I can. And I think he's motivated. And I think, you know, it's so funny with, because he, he's so similar to Shaq. I, they remind me so much of each other because when they do great, you know, it's great when they're not doing well. Well, they're not fo- focusing enough on basketball. They're focusing focusing too much on other things. They don't when, take it um, seriously enough. They don't take it seriously enough. And then then he cries when they lose on that bouncing shot by um, Kawhi Leonard a couple of years back. And everyone's like, "Well, why is he crying? He's such a baby." Well, make up your mind. Do you do you think he cares too much or not enough? Like it's just when you're bigger in life, like that. Those guys, you are under a different microscope than almost everybody else, including Ben Simmons. It has to be this year. 
he I think gets, it's going to be. I, get, I, I really, he gets older I think it's every year. Happen. It has to be this year. He also, I, you know, that team was such a mess and there was such a mess behind the scenes. And you think like, I was texting with somebody the other day about two years ago where, you know, after the ringer story we did that Colangelo stepped down yeah, and Brett Brown was the acting GM. Like, like that was two years ago. It's insane. Right, right, and they, right, that yeah. leads to that terrible Bridges, Zaire Smith, and this pick that they end up sending for Tobias Harris and sends them down this crazy yeah. Tobias Harris file when they could have just taken Bridges yeah. or Shea. SGA yeah. was the next pick on the board 11. Right. But anyway, I think- yeah, Tobias Harris, that was, that was a killer. Well, a but killer. I think, so now, now Daryl's in and Daryl is, you know, he's got some swagger to him. He's a big guy. He's super confident in what he wants to do. He kind of yep. knows how to play the game internally. He's somebody that Harden, who I think has had trouble clicking with certain people, and right. him and Harden really got along together. Oh, he um, loved Harden. He loves Harden more than life itself. Yeah. Right. So you have you have the Daryl piece of it. So now you have stability and somebody who seems like he actually has a plan, which they haven't had there forever. Um, and then Doc, who Doc in year one can go in and just play the character of Doc Rivers, right? <laughs> He can do the the interview with the 20 media guys before um, some shitty game against Charlotte and give the whole, look, Joel Embiid is the MVP of the league right now. And he can, he'll yep. sell those guys. Now, will they turn on him three years from now? I don't know. But this year, those yeah. guys will buy in and he'll talk about how great Ben Simmons is. I didn't realize he was so gifted. This guy might be the best natural talent I've ever coached. He's going to do all that and it's going to work. Yeah, it is going to work. And it'd also be true because Ben Simmons, again, people don't understand how good he is. They really yes, don't. They're so, hung, they're so hung him up on the three-point shooting, which, by the way, I have seen him do in a gym. He can do it. I don't know when he's going to do it. I don't think he wants to be on a timeline. I think that was the mistake they made last year. Yeah. Uh, I, I know he can do it. I've seen him do it. I think he's ready to do it. But when he's in the open floor and going downhill, so everyone keeps saying, well, he doesn't fit the Daryl Morey mode. There are two parts to what Daryl Morey believes in, threes and layups. Right. Ben Simmons creates more layups in the open floor than any other player in the league right now. When he gets the ball in his hand going downhill on the open floor, who's stopping him? Yeah, Nobody. but here's the thing. The Daryl Morey mold is actually not what people think. It's to have two superstars and build yeah, around them. It's whatever That's what I he have. Yeah, yeah, whatever I have, I'm going to make it work. Yeah, Can I have 100%. two stars? Can I go? All right. Um... We're taking one more break and then we get to talk about Detroit, which I've been saving much like Thanksgiving dessert. Detroit Good. is like bringing out the pies. Yeah. Uh, one more break. This episode is brought to you by Duncan. I love Duncan. Duncan just dropped a new kind of energy. They call it sparked energy. I mean, they have peach sunshine. I'm a huge peach guy. Like peach with drinks, I feel like is one of the most underrated drink combo kind of starter things that we have. Well, in this case, these are delicious. They're packed with caffeine and vitamins and minerals that give me the energy I need to get through the day. And a medium is $3 now through March 19th. So drop by and get Sparked by Duncan. Sparked energy drinks are fruit flavored, contain 0% fruit juice. Beverages contain caffeine from caffeine and guarana. Participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. All right, last, uh, last big NBA question. I think we got the 10. Is it possible the Pistons were drunk during the entire offseason? <laughs> were they overserved? Does somebody have to drive them home? Here's a quick recap. They gave Jeremy Grant, they gave Jeremy Grant three for 60. They gave Mason Plumley three for 25. So they're paying 85 million for three years for Jeremy Grant and Mason Plumley. 
They lost Luke Kennard and Christian Wood, who were my two favorite players. In the I know, team. right, right. They did not trade Blake Griffin, or see, they seemed pretty intent on keeping him. Um, they added Delon Wright, Josh Jackson, Julio Okafor. That's a, at one point they had five centers. They acquired Dwayne Dedman so they could stretch, could stretch him. Thirteen point <laughs> three million over three years, so they could stretch it out to pay Jeremy Grant and Mason Plumlee too much. And then on top of it, in the draft. They drafted Killian Hayes over Tyrese Halliburton, which I just fundamentally disagree right, with. Right, right. And then they drafted Isaiah Stewart Isaiah at Stewart. 16 during this draft where everybody's like, wow, you can get a center for nothing this year. You can get any center right. you want for one year, two million. The dumbest thing you could do is draft a center who can't be an all-star with like the 16th pick, which is exactly what they did. I don't understand what the F is going on with them. What is going on with them? So my Mike, my husband and I were, we're laughing about this this morning. Um, I was telling him, you know, he doesn't follow the NBA as closely as I do, but I was telling him about how the Detroit has all these bigs that he's like, yeah, they're getting ready for a McFilthy and McNasty, you know, for the 89 finals. Like, <laughs> right. it's, really, it's really like that, you know, for those of you who are too young to remember. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Moe's famously called Bill Lambert and Rick Mahorn McFilthy and McNasty. And I mean, that was great back in the eighties, but yeah, here's, so here's my trade. We were talking before I that I had a trade I want to throw you. Oh, about, I'm ready. Okay. Blake Griffin to the Wizards for John Wall and a first round pick. Oh. So it's basically the Westbrook trade. Yeah, except for with Blake Griffin. And Blake and Blake Griffin as if you're with the Wizards, Blake Griffin has less years left on his contract than Westbrook does. And he's a right. big. He's a big. I, and he's, you know, I, he's, I think Blake Griffin can still play. I, I mean, was on board with teams trying to get Blake Griffin before the draft. Yeah. Because he was really good two years ago. He got hurt. Right. He's got two years left on his deal. Even if he's 90% what he was two years ago. He's got he a great motor. Of, yeah, he yeah. kind of figured out how to get 20 and 10 every game. You know, he's shooting moved threes. That. You know, yeah. he starts shooting threes with the Pistons. Yeah. So if I'm, if I'm the Pistons, you know, I'll take on John Wall. And all the mess that comes with it, um, and I'm going to trade you Blake Griffin because it feels and, to me like with all that they've done, all these bigs, how does it make sense to keep Blake? It doesn't. Well, and the other thing is, you've got to at least do something for Bradley Beal, yeah, who has not officially said I want out, but I he also wants to make the playoffs. I think there is a chance the eight seed, maybe even the seven seed, is wide open this year. Yeah, um, it is. So. Yeah, I like that one. That's a good one. Other than that, I don't know what the F Detroit was doing. A couple other signings I did not like. The Jordan Clarkson four for fifty two to Utah was just stupefying. Uh, don't get. I've never gotten Jordan the the fascination with Jordan Clarkson, but that's alright. I just feel like you can find heat check guards who can't defend anyone every year during the season. There, there's two available. Well, you could go get Lou Williams right now. He's going to basically be what Jordan Clarkson is. Get him. Oh, I'd get rather him have. I'd rather have Lou Williams. I'd right. much rather have Lou Williams. Um. Malik Beasley four for sixty was weird even before the fact that he's got some criminal yeah, thing he, going. That he pointed a gun at somebody in a car. But I think that's again that falls into the category of Minnesota's trying to build something. Beasley was great for them in the very short window that they had him. I think I he do was like over, him. over over. Oh yeah, no, he's really talented. He's got some issues, and they got to straighten those out for sure. But you're you're trying to tell Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell and these guys, you know, we're building something here. We're committing to it, and you got to overpay. You got to yeah. overpay for him to stay there. So that that I think that's how you explain that away. If I was ever a GM, and who knows, it could happen someday. 
Dave, don't rule it out. Okay. I'm only, I'm I'm only, just, I'm only I'm just, 51. It's, I was going to say, how old out. are you? Yeah, 51. Nah, okay. Fine. I'm, okay. Ne- I'm never being a GM. But if I, if I was a GM, I would just never pay big money for people who could make an all-star team. That would be one of the things I told my staff. Like, I'm just yeah, never you'd be doing out of, it. You'd be out of the league in 10 minutes because that's how the league works. You got to do it. And, and you know what else you wouldn't do? You wouldn't want to trade. You wouldn't want to trade a player for cap space. And those are all the things that you have to do. It's why Dave Gavitt was not a good GM right. in the NBA. It wasn't that he didn't know basketball. It's that he just couldn't bring himself to trade actual living bodies for spaces. And you'd have the same problem. So you should not I would, be a GM. I would definitely trade body for space. I would never do like Atlanta. They say they give Gallinari three for 61.5. No, but they have to do that. Bill. Why? Again, why do they have because, to? because, well, they don't for what have reason? to. Because I, again, I would want to be bad again and get another top six pick. Why do I want to go 39 and 43? And it's like, well, they got to worry about Trey Young. No, they don't. Trey Young's re-signing with them because they have the most yeah, but advantage I, on but a max you know contract. What? If they get Bogon, and I don't know if we heard anything. I don't know if, if, Bontanovich is staying in Atlanta. It's really one of the most boring sagas in league history. I'm the, a little the, more interested the, than you. I'm a little no, more interested it's just than you. Like, I, I, 10 days was enough. Nine oh, okay. days, whatever. All right, I got I you, just I got like, you. hey, can't yeah. we just figure out where he's playing at this point? But those two guys, if you end up with both of them, they give you catch and shoot options, which you don't have. It makes it a lot easier for Trey Young to go, you know, then he becomes a complete demon in pick and roll because you can't, just focus on him the way you can. They got, they got, so one of the other sneaky good signings in my mind was them by signing Chris Dunn. Chris Dunn is another one of these guys. Now he can't, offensively, he's not helpful to you. He's a zero. But he's an elite defensive player. Yep. And no one ever noticed because he played on a lousy team in Chicago. Yeah, but why so, do you need Chris Dunn and Rajon Rondo and you have Trey Young who can only play one position? What so was the I would point have, of that? I would have, I would have just gone with Chris Dunn myself. I like the Rondo that thing was weird. It's like, oh, we, how's Rondo going to be happy? I just don't think Chris Dunn's going to play because they have, they got Rondo. They spent like seven. Yeah, but Rondo, Rondo will be hurt at some point, and, you know. And Trey Young, you're going to have to manage his minutes. And I think Chris Dunn's can help them. And I I do think Gallinari and Rondo are veterans. You because that team was too young. You need you got they got nice young talent on that team. Now the big question with them is that team's not going to be able to guard anybody. But what happens with John Collins? Seems like he's kind of dangling. I like and I like John Collins. But how and much how do you, you gonna... feel if you're Miles Turner knowing that the Celtics didn't want you in a sign and trade? I know. Yeah. That's Good a question. tough one too. But yeah, it that is. goes back to the whole thing about I just wouldn't pay centers. You can get centers, you can well, trade for it. them during the season, well, I think, the whole thing. Yeah, I think that's how Danny felt. And you that know, was he another wanted... one, San Antonio, Jacob Pirtle, Jakob Pirtle, three for Jacob. twenty-seven. How is he that guy making nine million a year? I can get him ten times in free agency. So I keep hoping Jakob Pirtle is gonna be able to shoot threes. He's twenty-seven. So, I know. So, but I was, I was in, when he was in Toronto, I went out to do a story on Pascal Siakam. And, um, cause I had been over in, uh, Cameroon and went to the, the seminary where he was in a seminary studying to be a priest. So I spent some time out there anyway. So I went, I flew to Toronto to talk to him after I got back and I was waiting for him and, and he and, um, Jakob Pertl were supposed to be shooting threes, right? So they were work- it was pregame. And yeah. They're working on their three-point shooting. And all they had to do was each hit two in a row. So four total. And it was getting later and later and later. And neither one of them, this is, I mean, Siakam's come a long, long way. I think he right. shot 17% from three-point line the year I'm talking oh about. God. Okay. And the two of them, like, they just couldn't do it. And of course, Pascal has made that leap. And I, I just keep hoping Jakob Pertl is going to make the same leap. But I guess So not. you like what Atlanta did more than I. I, I, yeah. I just, yeah, I, I don't do. like tying up 
tying up my 42 and 40 roster, it, it basically reminds me of what New Orleans tried to do with Anthony Davis the first few years, right? Where they're like, oh, right. get, let's get Ryan Anderson and let's get Eric Gordon. And and they're just like splurging. And it's like, why are you splurging? Right. Like, well, I, and- what Griffin is doing with the Pelicans where he's like, I have this young asset in Zion that could potentially really matter. I am going to try to get as many other young assets and picks as I can and try to grow with what we have and then make my move three years from now. That's that's well, but, personally what I would do. Okay, but let's just take Gallinari. There was interest in Gallinari by a lot of contending teams. So let's say you hang on to him maybe for two out of the three years. Of that, And then in his third year, he has an expiring contract that will be valuable probably, and you'll be able to trade him. And I okay, think fair. one interesting thing that I that's funny about, about Atlanta is you would understand this a lot more if there were going to be fans. Because you're thinking, well, we're not going to get anybody in the seats unless we have a chance to be, you know, somewhat good. Well, I don't think they're getting. Well, maybe Georgia will. I don't know. Do we think Georgia will actually be able to have fans in the seats? Who knows? You know, who knows, right? Who knows with but, that Georgia? But that so that could be, you know, a, a way of looking at it because you want to put fannies in the seats. But I know there's not going to be any in Boston, not in the near future, anyway. Although I still keep getting charged for my partial season ticket package. Note to Celtics: What are you doing with my money? Besides on, collecting interests on it. Yeah, they're just they're just holding it. Yeah. Uh last question, then we're done. Did the Bucks do enough? They tried. It, I, I would have said they had done enough if they got Bogdanovich. I would have said yes, they did enough. Here's my thing with the Bogdanovich thing. How can they do a sign and trade well, before the sign and trade deadline started where the guy hadn't agreed to the sign and trade price? Like yeah. I don't understand how that became reported, like that trade was done. Yeah, when that was bad. His agents had to Go yeah, out there really, and they're really going to get his... It's a tough one. Yeah, it's very tough. But if they had if they had executed that, I would have said they did about as good as they could do, again, within the parameters. They had to move on from Bledsoe. That was the most obvious thing. You know, if you can turn on the way back machine, you you, you keep Malcolm Brogdon and you, and you don't re-sign Bledsoe to that deal. And that's not hindsight. I remember sitting in Bud's office saying, what are you doing with this Bledsoe thing? And he's like, well, you're just from Boston. You just remember all the bad games you had in the playoffs. I said... Well, I think yeah. the rest of the league saw them too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's totally so, fair. So that um, was that wasn't hindsight. No. I said this a week ago, I stand by it. I just would rather have had Chris Paul and not given up three first and two pick swaps for for holiday. Plus I have to pay holiday in a year. Hmm. I just I just think it's a smarter move. I, I buy a two year window with Chris. Yeah. The, the thing with Drew, there's two things with Drew, and I know how popular he is with the advanced metrics community, but to me, yeah. like durability doesn't have an advanced metric, but actually it does. It's called games played. Yeah. And he's banged up a lot. And I don't know. I, I just feel like he wasn't as quite as good, at least offensively, as he was two years ago. And uh, for what they gave up, you're right. all in at that point. So I'm looking at their team now. They had Drew Holiday, DJ Augustine, who's unplayable in the playoffs because he can't yeah. guard anybody. Yeah, right. Torrey Craig, who can't shoot, so you can't play him either. You're going four and five. Bryn Forbes, who can't guard anybody, so you can't play him in crunch time either. And Portis, who I'm out on Portis, yeah. just period. They lose Bledsoe. They lose Hill. They lose Robin Lopez, Matthews. They lose three firsts and two pick swaps. Yeah. And they still have the same problem they had last year. I don't know what their crunch time is. Now, you could say Giannis, Middleton, Holiday. I know three now. Yeah. But that that fourth and fifth one, I still don't know. At least in Portland, I know who my crunch time is. Hmm. And here, it's like, eh. Should we play Tory Craig and we'll just play four and five offensively? I don't think they solved it. I don't think they got better, and I don't think they could beat the Lakers in a playoff series. I so just so why do you see, give up all I, that all that loot? Yeah, for me, 
it all rests in Giannis's hands. I just think Giannis's ceiling is so far beyond what we've seen that Giannis can take it up another level or two and not only make himself better, but really help the guys around him. Chris Middleton. I want more from Chris Middleton. I do. I hope so. Yeah. And, and maybe he can still take another level. Like, you know, he, did he make all NBA? I think he did, right? I think he did. I didn't vote yeah. for him. Or, yeah. I didn't vote for him for second team. I think I voted him for third team. Right, right. And so, you know, he had a pretty miserable postseason. So what does he do during this? Like, that's what Chris Middleton's a fairly young guy. I don't think we've seen the best of him. So I guess that's how I look at the Bucks roster and say, it's, it's not necessarily, I mean, George Hill, it was getting to be time. I, I wouldn't be surprised if George Hill winds up like maybe with the Clippers or something, or even mm. maybe even the Celtics, he would make some sense for the Celtics too, depending on what the, what the value of the contract is. So I, uh, I don't think you can make, I felt this way when it happened. I feel that way even more strongly now that we know the Bogdanovich thing fell through. I don't think you can do that Drew Holiday trade unless you know for sure Giannis is coming back. I just, well, I, and, I, I think and, it's you too know, risky. And my intel is, Bill, that he's going to sign the Max, Supermax. That's what I've been told. It hasn't happened yet, but I think that's what we're all expecting to happen. Now, if it doesn't, your point is an excellent one. And even if he signs, here's the thing, though. Even if he signs that Supermax, which would be great for Milwaukee, you know, does it really guarantee that he's there forever? I, I don't think so. Yeah, not buys this, like not, it buys two more years, basically. Yeah, not, not in this day and age. So, Davis set the blueprint for it. Mm, I'll, I'll take your, I'll take all your money. And then two years from now, I'll decide what I want to do. And, and he decided. About, yeah. And meanwhile, now I'm going to, I won a championship with you. And uh, yeah, still haven't signed. Still mm. going to hold you up for a little more dough. Because I'm pretty important to what just happened with your team. So yeah, I'm opting out. And yep. You know. Well, him and LeBron are going to align their contracts with each other. They're the same sense. agent. And yep. they're just going to basically hold the Lakers hostage every year. And be like, look, you guys were jack shit before we showed up. True. You had eight of the worst years in a row that any franchise has had in the league in a while. Yeah, so, but LeBron needs to remember that he was part of one of those jack shit years. Right. Right before Anthony Davis got there. That was the worst LeBron year ever because he wasn't engaged. He was ragging on the young kids. I mean, Rondo was telling me like he was so hard on all those young guys. They were like in a shell. They were like in a corner in the locker room. You know, well, plus worst... they all idolize him. Well, and yeah, it's like that's their right. Idol it's like destroying yeah, them. Yeah, exactly. So... You know, he has to hold some responsibility for that. Well, I'll say this. I'm going to leave you on this happy Thanksgiving note. And I'm saying this as a Celtics fan who is in their conference. I really hope Giannis resigns with the Bucks. Oh, I think I we think all that's do. A, I think that's yeah. a good thing for the league. And, and if you have Davis and Giannis ditching their franchises within two years of each other, I, I think we're headed for another reckoning with right. Small what this league franchises. has to look like. Yeah, and it's the small market thing. And you know, the ownership, the Bucks ownership's done everything possible. They really have they've been well, willing to post post Brogdon disaster. Well, right. But but you know what I mean? They I like the way they handle themselves. They're very engaged with their players. They were marching, you know, with, with all these talk of ownership and what are they going to do about Black Lives Matters and everything. Even before that, that, that team didn't play, they had already marched with their guys. You know, I think they're invested yeah. with their guys. They're um, engaged with them. I think it's a good ownership group. So we'll see. I have time for one more bonus question because Kyle's got to bounce in five minutes. He's starting okay. to freak out. Um, <laughs> Hang in there, Kyle. I just thought of this because of the Lakers. Because Jerry Buss was 
considered to be the best owner for a while, right? And then at some point, it kind of became Peter Holt. Peter Holt. If you talk yep. to people around the league, you'd be like, who's yeah. just... Even the other owners are like, yeah, Peter Holt's pretty great. Yeah. Who Mickey, is that Aronson. Mickey Aronson. Mickey Aronson is another one. So is yeah. does Mickey still have the title or is it somebody else in your opinion? Well, I don't know. What do we think about Balmer? A demanding owner, but one that got you a new arena that's willing to open up the pocketbooks for big players to pay the money. I guess the, I guess the jury's out on him still, right? Yeah, but I'm saying with the other owners. Like who's oh. like the alpha dog when they have these owners committee meetings? Because oh. it was always like Peter Holt was the alpha dog. Right. Before that, I think it was Dr. Buss. Huh. I wonder who, who, do you think they even have an alpha dog now? Or is it like I, just like three or four influential guys? Yeah, I think it's different. You know, there's this whole tequila consortium of Jeannie Buss, <laughs> Wick Grosbeck and uh, right. Wes Edens, you know? Yeah. They're the, uh, and Jordan, I think Jordan has a voice in there because he's the only one that's been around as a player. And, and, you know, knows how these players think. I mean, he was really instrumental during that whole walkout, trying to get everybody back to the table. But I don't think he's railing away at those guys. I think he, mm. that's, I don't think that's his role at all. So that's a, that's a good question. I, I don't think it's Jeannie. I think Jeannie Bush is more of an introvert than people realize. It's I'm definitely sure she, not Jeannie. Yeah, it's not Jeannie. So it's is not it the, Laco because it he's too, po Laco's too polarizing. It's way too polarizing. Yeah. Says, uh, so, I mean, I don't, Mickey Aronson, it feels to me, is, has been pulled back. I don't know if that's true, but that's the impression I get. I've heard the same thing. Um, so it's funny. I do think Jordan is gaining a voice. And I wonder if the oh, last 100%. dance, I wonder if the last dance helped him with some of the other owners. We're like, oh shit, I forgot yeah. how unbelievable yeah, this guy important. was. Yeah. See, anyway. I think I, I'm guessing, and I, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm guessing that Bomber is someone that, makes his voice be heard and has a lot to say. Now, I don't know how it's received by everybody, but uh, I think he's a player. I do. I loved, the, I loved when he went basically uh, Azoff and Dolan, who yeah. <laughs> as a combo, are, nobody really wants to mess with. They'll sue anybody that crosses them. Right. And Palmer's like, cool, bring I'm it building on. an arena. Yeah, yeah let's bring go. it on. Yeah. I, I have unlimited resources. Let's have the Holy War. And yeah. uh, he got his arena. Now, whether any good Clippers will be playing in that arena when it opens, I guess we'll we're have to find wait out. and see. Yeah, there you go, Jackie. Happy Thanksgiving! It was Same great to, you, to see you. We Enjoy have our this. Kevin Garnett podcast uh, coming oh, up yeah. actually tomorrow, so people oh, are getting a lot of us next to this. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're sick of us already. <laughs> yeah. All right. Happy holidays. Great to see you. Thank you. Not that long ago, going out with friends was a little too complicated. You used to worry about where you'd go, what you'd look like, who you'd invite, but now getting together for a beer with your closest friends. It's both complicated and not that complicated. These days, it actually feels a little bit more like it should. Just be yourself with your friends, maybe a distance hangout. Maybe you're on Zoom. Maybe you're uh, at some outdoor bar where the tables are spaced six feet away from somebody. Who knows what? Who knows what you have going? You can just be yourself with your friends. That's the way it always should be. And as the original light beer, Miller Light has always believed in this. That's what Miller Time is all about. I've been having Miller Time since I was in college. As you've heard, if you've ever listened to this podcast, uh, it's been, you know, it's been in my wheelhouse for over 30 years. Whether you're toasting in person or you're cheersing from afar, Miller Lite has always been about bringing you and your friends together for Miller time. And I've been doing a lot of distance hangouts lately with, with uh, I've done two distance dinners and uh, and one hangout in the backyard. You know what? Guess, guess what's important? Hanging out with your friends. Do it. Do it with Miller time. It's time for you. Miller time. Miller Lite. Great taste. 
with only 96 calories, 3.2 carbs, however you and your friends are enjoying Miller time, you can have it delivered, the original light beer, by going to millerlight.com forward slash BS. Find the delivery options near you. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories, 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. All right, Million Dollar Picks coming up in one second. Wanted to mention, we finished that whole hour plus uh, hang with Jackie. And then like right afterwards, Miami announced that they had signed Bam Adebayo to the max for five years. So um, that tilts the discussion we had a little bit. Although I will say, you know, I, I briefly read some of the takes and agreed with them where this doesn't mean they can't get Giannis. It just makes it a little more difficult for them to get Giannis because they would have to basically move some salary cap around. Maybe they would have to lose Tyler Harrow to get rid of a second contract or whatever. They, they would have to do some salary cap chicanery, basically, to afford Butler, Bam, and Giannis. If the salary cap goes backwards, we've seen it done before. It'll happen if they really feel like they have a chance to get Giannis. It just makes it a little more difficult. But you know, I think the important thing here is Again, Jackie said Giannis and Bam uh, had the same agent, so it's goodwill for it's goodwill for Bam, who just watched Tatum and uh, Mitchell get paid. So you win him over there. Brandon Ingram just got paid too. Whether he's a max guy, mm, seems like a lot. Seems like a lot for Brandon Ingram, but um, they keep their options open. So again, Miami shrewd as always, and I'm sure. They've figured out a path to Giannis if, if they get there. So that's what happened. All right, million-dollar picks. So we're splitting this up. We have three Thanksgiving games, and then uh, we're also on the Thursday night podcast. I'll do the rest of the weekend. So this will all add up to a million dollars by the time we're done. We have three games. They're all terrible. They're all abominable. The first one is Houston-Detroit. And the weird thing about this one is that I think Detroit would have fired their coach after that shellacking they took against Carolina on Sunday. They, their fans have lost all hope. I think everybody realizes P P Matt Patricia is not going to be the coach next year. And yet you have this Thursday game at 1230 and you can't really change your coach when you have less than 100 hours to get ready to the next game. So you have that. Then you also have Houston coming off a nice game against the Pats where they looked pretty frisky offensively. So the line started out at two and a half. Moved to three. The game's in Detroit. And who knows if Galladay is playing? Who knows if any of these dudes are playing? It's so dumb to make these picks on a on a Tuesday. But um, I am going to do... So I'm going to figure out how to move Houston down to two and a half in a parlay with Pittsburgh. So hold that thought because I think Houston wins by three. I do not want Detroit in this game. I know Houston's not great, but I was actually pretty impressed with... Um, with how hard they were playing for Romeo Cornell in that Pats game, you know? And if you're a Houston fan, the worst case scenario is they actually end the season pretty well. They don't have a first round pick anyway. It's not like they can tank. And then the rumblings of, hey, maybe Romeo deserves the job. Um, as somebody who roots for a team that's also in the AFC, I hope that's where they land. Anyway, second game, terrible, awful. Washington, Dallas, yikes. The NFC least, we covered it on the podcast with Sal on Sunday. They are on pace to be the worst division of all time. This game's going to be awful. Dallas's season was over until um, about two days ago when they suddenly beat Minnesota, a team that a lot of people liked. It was the first time they kind of looked like the Cowboys since Dak went down, where Dalton recovered from a concussion, from a concussion 
He's probably had enough reps at this point. They had a nice little run pass balance against the uh, Vikings. And, you know, I, I think it would be the perfect antidote for the worst season a division's ever had to see Dallas go from a laughing stock to the favorite in the division within the span of 100 hours. It's too good to pass up. I'm also not crazy about this uh, Washington team. I think their defense, you know, against Cincinnati, especially after knocking out Joe Burrow, that defense looked good there. It can look good a couple times if they're playing the right team, but I think you can run on them. The good, the better running teams have been able to run on them, and I think that Dallas has too many weapons. And uh, and plus, it's in Dallas, and I, I do think I do like getting the home teams when it's two bad teams playing each other. So hold that thought. We're going to do Dallas minus two and a half. The last one is Baltimore-Pittsburgh. Baltimore coming off a devastating loss on Sunday to Tennessee where they had a chance to close the game in regulation. And once again, Lamar could not come through in the red zone. And they had settled for a field goal. Goes in overtime. Derrick Henry runs all over them. I would have potentially maybe talked myself into this being a close game just because of what happened a few weeks ago when Baltimore led Pittsburgh for two hours and then just completely fell apart because Lamar had a couple of bad plays. But Baltimore is way more banged up than they were for that game. They've also had some COVID stuff. Brandon Williams is out. I don't know if Calais Campbell is playing or not, but their defense um, just does not look good. They can't get stops. They couldn't get stops against the Pats. They couldn't get stops against the Titans. And uh, in general, I just don't like the look of this team, especially on short rest. And then you throw in, well, the one thing they could do, potentially if they have a lead, is run the ball. J.K. Dobbins, who's looked really good the last couple of weeks, he's out with COVID. And then Mark Ingram, who hasn't really been playing, he's out also with COVID. So it's a lot of Gus Edwards. And, you know, God bless Gus Edwards, but you're not beating the Steelers if he's your lead back. I am scared enough about how this line climbed, and, and it's a desperation game for Baltimore, no question. Um, they, they have to win. If they don't win this, they fall to six and five and they're in, in official danger of missing the playoffs with that log jam we have with the seven and three, six and four teams trying to get those three wild card spots. So it's a kitchen sink game for them in a lot of ways. I just think Pittsburgh's really good. I don't see their little undefeated thing ending on a Thursday night against kind of a reeling Baltimore team. That's also going through some COVID stuff. So be safe. I like their money line here, minus 215. All right, so here's what we're going to do. Million Dollar Picks Thanksgiving Edition. So that pit money line, minus 215, we are parlaying that with Houston, who we're going to bring down to minus 2.5, minus 2.5. That is minus 130. Together, it's plus 159 as a parlay. So Houston has to win by at least three. Pittsburgh just has to win. We're putting $200,000 $200, on that at plus 159. And then the other one, um, Pitt's money line with Dallas minus two and a half. We're gonna we're gonna scale back a tiny bit here. We're gonna put one hundred and fifty thousand on this. It is plus one seventy four. Dallas has to win by three. Pitt has to just win the game, and we're good to go. Last week we lost one hundred seven thousand um, dollars. I blame Miami for not figuring out that they should have benched two at halftime. And I blame the Packers for not taking care of business and regulation against the Colts. And we actually could have swept all the big bets. We're still up 177000 for the season. And those are the Thanksgiving million-dollar picks. We will continue with more picks on the Thursday podcast. 
All right, that's it for today. Remember, new rewatchables is up eight millimeter. New book of basketball podcast coming Wednesday, Kevin Garnett. And then we will have one more podcast on this feed on Thursday. I have, I have two special guests for you. Plus, we're going to be doing uh, abbreviated million dollar picks. I know. Double dip in the million dollar picks. Good times. See you on, on uh, Thursday night. Enjoy the holidays. Be safe. Be safe. For the love of God, be safe. See you Thursday. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com.